All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast powered by our friends over at X2 Power. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Agbrett, and joined with me is the captain in his new vessel, Mr. Andy Full. What's going on, buddy? Dude, if it was still light out, I think I would take my wife's computer and just go sit on the front deck of it because it's so comfortable. You just don't want to leave it alone. It's like that new shiny thing you got that you you can't put down. Yeah, pretty much like I got right out of the water today. I was like, wipe, wipe it all down. Because right now we had a huge wind event last night and Lake Erie and the river are like mud. So all the silt and stuff, when I pulled it out of the water, like the top quarter down was like brown on a white boat. And I was like, I got to clean this. Like it instantly drove me nuts. I sat there for like 40 minutes wiping my whole boat down. From the brown, and I was like, okay, it's clean. I can go home now. <laughs> uh, I don't blame you at all. Dude, it's like it's like when you're a kid, right? And you're getting into fishing. You're you're still I mean, not that I, I would still honestly call myself in the honeymoon stage because I'm so obsessed with it. But like, you know, when you're a kid and you're like in the honeymoon stage of like getting into something where you're just like you can't you you're just like overly obsessed and you get like that one new like that new nice fishing rod, you know not like your starter kit type of deal, but like the the one for the, your first rod and reel that you just like cannot put down. Like you're playing with it in the house. Your mom's yelling at you because you're playing with it in the house, that type. That's exactly what that feeling's like. Yes. Yeah. One day you will know when you get out of the, the pedal drive. Uh, yeah. In 45 years when I can afford a boat, I will understand what that feels like. Just buy mine in two years. Perfect. You'll yeah. be ready. I can afford yours in 35 years, maybe. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll talk when the time comes. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know about that. But, but dude, we uh, a couple of things for folks before we get into today's episode. We have a really cool show today. Uh, our boy, Mr. Brennan Chapman from at Do It Molds is joining us here. We're going to talk some fishing, talk some molds, talk some Do It Molds juice, some custom bait making juice. So we have a, we have a bunch of folks that reach out all the time about the, themselves and their projects they do. So, this will be a good one for you guys to tune into. But uh, the new schedule for Bassmaster Elite Series was posted, and we're not going to roll through it today. We're going to have a whole show. We're going to get the crew, the Fantasy Fishing crew on, and Justin Hamner is going to join us. We're going to walk through that schedule and kind of what that looks like, get our takes, our opinions for it for the coming year of 2023. Uh, well, I'll let you guys know over social and on the next coming shows when that show is going to be so you can tune into it. We'll make sure it's live. That way you guys can get your comments in for that one as well. Um, And it is currently September 2nd, as you guys are listening or watching this episode. Yeah, yeah, September 2nd. (laughs) Yeah. bad. You're good. Uh, So you have three more days to use the 20% off code for Omnia Fishing. So if you're trying to get your tackle orders in as the uh, summer to fall transition is here and falls upon us, the A-rig season, you're trying to save some money on some A-rigs because those things are not cheap. Uh, and especially if you get, you know, the umbrella rigs that go through like 10 fish for one rig, uh, it's, it adds up. So save yourself some money, go buy those and, uh, get yourself some do it molds, uh, manic mullet jig heads that Andy's been pouring. We posted a little bit on social media about those. Those are gonna make some freaking sweet a rig jig heads. Oh, I uh, think so. Yeah. Think that's gonna so. be bad to the bone, dude. Um, okay. we're going to talk to Brian too. See if he, if he differs on his jig head of choice for the a rig as a, I, I don't even know. Us. I don't even know what the law is out there in like Minnesota, Wisconsin area, because I think they can only use one hook on an A rig. We'll have to ask them because yeah. we're five. So we're yeah. spoiled over here. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, five. speaking of this, I'm, a, you know what? We're going to, 
rabbit I, I hole before take, we get Brennan on. No, uh, no, we're gonna get Brennan on for the rabbit hole here. But I'm, we're gonna try. I'm trying. Let me write this down because my brain is so bad. If, uh, okay, because I saw this on social media. We've talked about. It. You'll know what I'm talking about when I bring it up here in a second. But I want to get your guys' taste if you believe the same or not. Without further ado, we're gonna bring on our guest here, Mr. Brendan Chapman. How are you, sir? Good hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude. It's been uh, it's honestly, it's a long time coming. We should have had you on a while ago, but it's finally you know the stars aligned here to get you onto the show. But uh, okay, so Brendan, we're gonna dive into kind of how you got your start here in a second. But have you guys seen? This video on social media of the dude catching five smallmouth on one a rig. Yes, and it looked like they had been on there for either an hour, or he took them out of the live wall at pure exhaustion, hooked them up, and then both flipped them. I want to see the whole video. Brennan, have you terrible. seen this yet? I haven't. I haven't. But that sounds like a lot of stress on one a rig, and I'm shocked that he landed all five. Yeah, he um, like picked them up by the, the body. By the line, picked him up, and he put him on the deck in one, like, half-flopped. And then, yeah. the, the, then the camera cut off. Yeah. So, like, this, I, I'll send you it. I, I, I don't want to say this dude didn't do it, because we don't have the proof he didn't, right? You know, innocent until proven guilty. But, but, there's one thing we all know. When you're throwing an A-rig, it never comes back clean. And when you have five freaking smallmouth on an A-rig and the, all the, the strands are pointed down perfectly and they're not moving, it's a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah, that, that thing should be very mangled. And uh, The video starts yeah. when he's like picking them up out of the water too, which is like, I, I don't know. Like you said, innocent until proven guilty, and I commend the dude if, if it really happened. But uh, I yeah, hope it I, did. I'm I skeptical. It... I haven't seen it, but I'm skeptical. I will send you the video after our show here. But like cool. – I. I I hope that he comes out and just drops the mic on everybody, you know, cast a catch and we're proven wrong because that's freaking sweet. I mean, that's yeah. like he had like an 18 pound bag on one eight on one eight rig. So it's like it would be pretty sweet if he actually did it. But, you know, I guess maybe we'll we'll find out if if there's ever a result to this. We'll uh, we'll let the folks know. But, dude, it is good to finally get you on this show. Uh, and I'm sure this is going to be multiple shows coming up here soon where we get you back on because I think we're going to like your perspective on some things. We talked a lot offline and uh, we just kind of jive here. But uh, one thing we don't know about you is how you got your start into fishing, into bass fishing. and Like who got you into it? How did you get into it? The whole nine yards. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I've been like a lot of people that, you know, are probably listening and, and are in this industry to whatever degree. Um, I got started from a very young age. Um, I'm from Iowa originally. Um, I, I grew up, um, with the introduction to fishing more honestly, pan fishing, um, you know, crappie bluegill fishing with my, with my grandparents for weeks at a time during the summer months down in Southern Iowa. Um, you know, bobber and a worm, bobber and a wax worm, bobber and a minnow uh pan fishing and um you know we, we'd catch bass on accident all the time and my grandpa would take it off the hook and launch it out in the water like oh we don't we don't want no stinking bass you'd always say um and and you know from from my perspective as a kid you know it's a it's a hell of a fight compared to a crappie or a bluegill so i loved catching the bass um so i i grew up you know sort of a multi-species guy um 
chasing pike with spinnerbaits on, on our interior rivers around here. I wasn't partial to any species by any means. Um, and then when I got a little bit older, I just, I really started, you know, diving into, into bass and finding out how to catch bass, perfecting the, the, the bass bite. Right. And, uh, I was sort of a late bloomer, um, with, with the tournament thing. I, I really didn't even start fishing tournaments until probably six or seven years ago. And then as soon as I started fishing bass tournaments, I was, I was head over heels. You know, I, I got bit by the tournament bug and now, at, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's not another fish that exists than a, than a large mouth or small mouth bass. So I still, uh, I still chase walleye, um, hard in the, in the spring and, and late fall all the way through winter months. Um, just because here in Iowa, there's not another fish that swims besides like a carp or a, maybe a pike, a sturgeon, um, that can get 10 to 15 pounds. So, uh, I, I still do like my walleye when I can't be bass fishing. It's a good way to stay sharp. And, uh, I, I think a lot of that walleye stuff translates over to smallmouth, especially and just current and, and river fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still, you know, target walleye heavily in the, in the colder months, let's say, but, um, I'm a, I'm a bass head and I will be till I die. So yeah, yeah. all in on yeah. bass. Did uh- I've never really invested much time into walleye until I got to the position working at gunpowder that I do now and being embraced to, you know, working with the teams at Humberbird, Minkota, you know, and obviously, you know, Berkeley and stuff like that. I get to work with the walleye guys. And what I am learning is these walleye guys, they like, dude, they are really, really, really to your point of that. These guys are good at, you know, walleye is good. Also, if you're trying to learn with bass, these guys are really good bass anglers. Like you look at like the Sturgeon Bay open and a bunch oh, of these man. walleye guys whoop up yeah. on the bass guys. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, ha- half the top 10 in the Sturgeon Bay open are, are walleye guys. Yeah. You know, you, you see a lot of the walleye, you see some bass pros hop in it as well, but there's more walleye guys that hop in that do well than, than the, you know, proclaimed bass guys. Um, right. There's a ton of crossover. Um, a ton of, a ton of, ton of similarities and techniques and a lot of things you could learn from walleye that you could take to bass and become a better bass angler. So I I'll advocate that forever for sure. Yeah. We beyond Lake Erie or like the, the great lakes. I mean, we don't really have like these inland lakes, like you guys have in the Midwest where it's like really good walleye, like walleye lakes, like for, in terms of size or numbers, we just, I don't know, Andy, would you agree about that in terms of New York? Yeah, like there's a couple finger lakes that have really big walleye in them. Just there's a ton of them in there, but they eat, they basically go pelagic. They start chasing bait fish all over the lake at like 15 foot below the surface. And they just eat so well that they're almost impossible to catch during the summer. Like they're, there's lakes that we have walleye in and you'll never see a walleye boat troll for them at night when the season opens because they just don't catch them. It, it's kind of wonky unless Oneida is like the major exception. Oh yeah. That's a, but yeah. they're all two to five pound walleye and there's literally millions of them. There's so mm-hmm. many. I think they, they have like a special limit. I don't yeah, know. I think they you can keep eight. Again. Yeah. Like you can keep eight of them a day per person or something wild. And the rest yeah. of the state is five and six. 
Yeah. No. And, and I think to like, to, to go to elaborate a little bit, I mean, like when I'm doing my walleye fishing, it's, it's no live bait. It's, it's plastics, it's jigging plastic, cranking or jerk bait. And those three things only, um, walleye are tricky. Cause like there are definitely times where the only thing you're going to get them to bite, like, I don't care who you are is live bait. And that's why the, the NWT, the national walleye tour, they allow live bait. Um, because there are times, particularly in the summer months where if you're not fishing a leech below a slip bobber or, you know, a, a sucker minnow on a, what they call a windy rig, but us bass guys would maybe call a Carolina rig. You're probably not mm-hmm. getting a bite. And that's just, it's the nature of the beast, but still have a ton of respect for those guys. Cause, uh, it definitely takes a, a special skill set to, to go out and catch them routinely like that, especially big ones. Yeah, I mean, I feel like walleye at that point are a little bit more challenging than uh, than smallmouth. <laughs> smallmouth are a little bit easier to I think to to find for the majority of the time. But the guy, hey, the guy that won the NWT championship was throwing casting gear with a four inch swim bait on a three quarter ounce uh, jig head, and he was watching them. He was he was sniping them on forward facing, and cracking their butt. So that, that sounds like fun. And he's was that out in that was out in Dunkirk. Yeah, which is like John Hoyer forty. 40- 45 to 50 minutes south of us. Okay, cool. Wow. Yeah, he caught like a 40-pound bag the, the day first day, which is, is pretty wild. But uh, to to change topics, because we're not a walleye podcast, before we go yeah, down this stop talking about <laughs> yeah, those right. nasty things. <laughs> that's right. They do make good tacos, though. Like, Can I show you a walleye real quick? I've never done this, but can I show you one? Sure. Okay. I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> oh, dang. Okay, you're actually going to show us a wallet. All right, that's good. How big is that thing? Uh, I don't officially know, but it. Um, I I don't like to advertise the weight because I didn't get an official weight, but the walleye calculation formulas online put it, you know, right at fourteen and a half pounds. So yeah, my guess was going to be like thirteen and a quarter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, off of a little inland river, um, a tributary to the Mississippi, about three miles up and. Jig and plastic, lots of fun. Like and, and in late November, so awesome. Dang. Like I said, cold months, jig and plastic. It's a lot of things you could take over from that to bass. So late November, I'm dreaming of Lake Erie and 150 bass, and they're all giants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's usually the time of the year where I'm putting my boat away, and about the only thing I'm going to do other than you know watch YouTube and and learn about bass is go walleye fishing. Cause by then around here, it's, it's too damn cold to catch a bass in a lot of cases. So. Yeah. You guys definitely close up a lot earlier than, yeah. uh, than we do, <laughs> which is, I mean, we were out New Year's Eve last year and had almost 30 pound bag of smallmouth. Wow. Unreal. But, yeah, uh, but then three days later, the lake had ice on it. So yes. Tight window. <laughs> yeah. But New Year's Eve, baby. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, kind of getting back on a track here, I feel like we keep going all over the place, and I'm sure it's going to happen for the remainder of the show. Um, but you know, obviously, you got the tournament bug that you mentioned. You know, what tournaments are you fishing now? Are you fishing local stuff mostly? Are you getting in any big ones? Like, what are you what are you into? Yeah, so I fish. Um, I guess big is relative, but but around here, what you got to understand about our Iowa bass scene is like we just don't have we don't have the bodies of water to support routinely, you know, big field tournaments, like big as in a hundred plus boats. 
Um, our bass scene in my, in my part of the state, which is Northeast Iowa, is primarily on the upper pools of the Mississippi River. So pools 8, 9, and 10, uh, even 11. Um, so I, I do jump in a, quite a few tournaments up there, um, some 100-plus boat fields um, on pool 10. I, I jump in, you know, club tournaments. You know, we might get 20 boats and then, uh, you know, all, all my Tuesday nighters that I can. So, unfortunately, the, the bass scene in Iowa is just not as, you know, it's not like Texas or Alabama where you can throw a rock and hit a lake that has a $5,000 to win tournament every night or, you know, something yeah. like that. But um, I take what I can get around here and I, I jump in everything that I can. So, yeah, we we definitely don't have the uh, you can make a living off of local tournament type of scene up here. Right. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but I will say one of the top five lakes that I love to fish. I only got to fish it twice, but Lake Okaboji. It's oh, so much fun, dude. <laughs> Okaboji's unreal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I come from New York where I think our fish are stupid, but I went to there and, you know, my buddy and I, he's from South Carolina, and he he's like, these are Cheeto eaters. And at first I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, they'll eat anything. They're stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's out here. That, that's called like we call it like the Great Lakes of Iowa, you know, the, the Okaboji Big Spirit, that whole that whole system out there. It's, it's phenomenal. That's uh, by far – I would say that's top three, you know, fisheries in the state of Iowa, probably top two. Some would argue top one. So good stuff. Dude, we, my first time fishing Okaboji in the first 30 minutes, it was myself, um, Brad Rutherford from Pure Fishing, uh, and my former boss, uh, Josh Ward. And within the first 30 minutes, we had 22 pounds. Uh, Brad had caught almost a 50 inch muskie. And then my, Former boss caught his personal best. It was like a, it was like almost five pounder. We're like, this place is dumb. All we're throwing is chatterbaits. We're throwing anything crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, do, do do people fish here? Like, is this like lake not touched? Like, is oh, it is, it yeah. is. But there's a lot of there's just a lot of big fish in there. Yeah, it's a fun place. The, hmm. Andy, that's one lake that you would geek out on. It is. It's actually pretty cool. So it's kind of like it's like a chain, right? There's like a bunch yep. of different ones all over the place. Yep. All right. Fun. Well, Sign yeah. me up. Yeah, let's drive to Iowa. Like I told you before, I, I'll go out there and just go fishing for a week. I don't care. Like I don't have Come to fish a tournament. Come yeah. on out. We'll, we'll hit all the good stuff. There's a there's a couple of sleeper lakes out here. Um, a lot of sleeper lakes, and then there's a couple that are just absolutely unreal for for this part of the country, especially with a shorter growing season, which you know you guys are used to. Also, like we just don't get a ton of giants out here, but Iowa. Um, if you do know where to look, there's some really special fishing to, to be had for sure. It's awesome. Yeah. Andy's got that, uh, dual axle finally. So now he's going to travel more than an hour with his boat. Yeah. yeah. As, long, as long as it doesn't inter- interfere with guide trips, that's the biggest thing. So that's right. Well, I, I digress on Okaboji because if you get me on this thing, I'm going to start talking about it for for forever i have a weird feeling this is going to be a long episode because we're 20 minutes in and we've literally gotten like nothing of what we wanted to talk about accomplished that's a good problem to have those that's are the good that's episodes. right that's right good episodes. so i was talking uh before we brought you on brandon how it's it's a rig season basically it's starting now because that fall transition is when i mean you can catch it catch them on a rigs all year round let's be real but um, that transition into the fall when, you know, fall A-Rig is like a super, super fun bite. Um, 
and that transition is where it really starts to get hot because those fish start to somewhat start getting into that fall motion, getting grouped up. And, uh, you know, Andy and I, well, mostly Andy's been chefing up these manic mullet jigs lately, but we're going to slap on some A-rigs. But uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, the dual molds master over here, you know, what, uh, what head do you like? Are we on the right track with these things or is there a different head that you prefer for A-rigs? Um, yeah, I think you're definitely on the right track with, with my A-rigs. And it sounds like you guys, uh, at least, you know, some of the time with the manic mullet, you want that 60 degree line tie and you want a, a beefier hook, mm-hmm. you know, you know, as well as I do when these A-rig fish hit a bait, um, a lot of times they damn near rip the rod out of your hand. <laughs> they come up, swipe at it like they do a jerk bait, and then they go, you know, they do a 180. They're heading the opposite direction with it immediately in a lot of cases. So, um, you know, you got to have the right rod, the right line to absorb that. But at the end of the day, you, you got to have a hook that's ready to go for that type of bite. And for me, that's a, that's a beefier hook too. Um, I like that 60 degree because it tracks like it should. It, it swims forward, doesn't want to come up. Um I like those manic molds as well for, for those exact reasons. So yeah, it, an A-rig jig head, that's, that's my choice every time for sure. When you're, uh, I know I'd asked you offline, but like when you're, when you're pouring, whether it's plastics or it's jig heads, whichever, is there, I mean, I, on the topic of jig heads, is there any kind of like tidbit or kind of like maybe some juice for folks that like to pour their own stuff that, maybe not everyone's doing or something like it, maybe like a cheat code that can kind of help people's game. Um, as, as just, as far as pouring lead goes, like just general rules of thumb or anything. Kind of, maybe general rules of thumb, but also like, is there anything that's kind of like juicy in terms of like almost like a tackle hack, if that makes any sense. Um, as far as hacks go, I, I guess I don't know that I have one. Sorry to disappoint. Um, I was, I was searching. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have a hack per se. Um, I, I just think in general, making your own tackle, whether it's for, you know, tournament use and wanting to be different or just in an effort to make something to save money or to make it better. The, the biggest win I think you get when you're, when you're making your own tackle is just being able to select every component that you need for the job. So um I'm not knocking any any tackle that's out there on the market, jig heads specifically. There's stuff out there that comes with great hooks, especially these days. There was definitely a time where, you know, purchasing tackle online or from a store, it came with a garbage hook, and there was only a few companies putting good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. These days, you can get good hooks. I'm, I'm not denying that, but um, you're going to pay for them for sure. And when you can buy a, a box of a hundred jig hooks or a box of a thousand jig hooks and save, I mean, ridiculous amounts of money. Um, and then all you got to do is pour them. It's not hard. You guys have done it. It's, it's really not hard. Um, you can save a ton of money and, and you can select the exact hooks that you want for that job that are going to do the job. And uh, I think that's the biggest benefit. And, and then from the, you know, the tournament side of things, you can fine tune things and, and make things differently, which is, uh, which is what a lot of people, you know, use our products for is, is tournament fishing. Yeah. I mean, we've all talked about it before, but like, but there, like you said, there's some great jig heads out there, 
But like they might have a great hook in them. The head might be right, but say the line tie isn't exactly yep. where you want it. I, I really don't know a brand. And I could be wrong, but like, and this might be more up Andy's alley. He's the uh, the absolute tackle junkie of our crew. Uh, and like, I don't know somebody that all makes all like good jig heads. Like they don't have like a perfect one. Whereas we're we're pretty much kind of doing that now with, with with do it moles and making it exactly how we want. And if there's adjustment to be made, it's not, oh, dang, I got to go search the web to try to find another perfect jig head for this adjustment. Now it's like, okay, now we just go back home and pour it and make that adjustment. And like, it's, that's what I think is really cool about it. Um, and I mean, especially for what we've talked specifically is like, no one has a good Ned rig on the market right now. Well, yeah. And, and snowballing off just the Ned rig talk. I mean, the, you guys know, as well as I do being upstate New York, smallmouth anglers, like the, the lack of tackle that's fine tuned for smallmouth specifically is it, it's a big miss, right? From, from mm-hmm. a lot of these companies, and uh, you you buy a mold that you know can accept just about any hook, and then you can put the hook in it that you need to battle a you know. Oh, losing them. Uh oh, it's a perfect freeze frame. Looks like he's sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's getting out. Oh gosh, you, you still got, us? got me barely, yeah. but we got you now. Still got yeah. me. Yep, we got you now. All right, cool. <laughs> the last thing we heard was uh, they are putting like gear that can handle something. Yeah, no, I, I was just saying like the biggest miss from a lot of companies is that they're not making they're not making gear that's oriented to to smallmouth guys specifically, right? And you guys know as well as I do, there's days where these smallmouth you could dip anything in the water and they're gonna eat it, and days where you need to hide that hook or or be a little bit more cognizant of that that uh the size of that hook and um, the strength of that hook always, right? Because you never know when you might hook up with a giant and, uh, just being able to make that, that tackle that's oriented at those small mouths specifically and do it at a, a cost effective rate, um, is a big deal. And Andy, I'm sure you being a, a guide, right? Full time. That's what you do for a living. Being able to pour up a ton of these at an affordable rate. So if you go take a group out that, hangs 50 jigs up in a rock pile and 58 casts, you're not like at the end of the day losing money, right? Like yeah. you, you can still make a profit. So um, it, I and it's also, appreciate our gear. There's an adverse side to it too. You get a lot of guys that don't know how to set a hook on a Ned rig. Sure. So like fine tuning and finding the perfect hook that clients can just reel when the bait's 120 feet away, 150 feet away. 40 feet down but it's fine enough and sharp enough and it it won't flex out to where you can hook them without even setting the hook and that's what we've been trying to do you can do both with do it mold so it's awesome exactly yeah just being able to fine-tune that stuff is uh it's a big deal and it's something our customer base definitely appreciates and and recognizes so yeah it's a huge deal and the part that it's like makes me laugh is some of these companies, uh, you know, especially when we're talking like Ned rig or smallmouth specific, you know, you know, jig heads, you know, pertains what we're really getting at here that are very predominantly like they're from the South and that's where a lot of their knowledge lies. And they they have like a dang gaff for a, for a Ned rig hook. And it's like, 
buddy. Like, what are you throwing this on casting gear? Like with with the 20 pound fluoro? Like we're we're talking, you know, eight pound fluorocarbon with lighter braid here. Like that that ain't gonna fly. Yeah. And they're talking <laughs> about how it's like the the bee's knees, and it's like, yeah, that, that ain't that ain't the deal. Yeah, it's a strong hook, but you're never gonna penetrate the fish's mouth. So uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, yeah, it's it's stuff like that where it's like it makes me grateful that we can we can choose the hook that we want. I mean, was it the fifty three thirteen or the fifty three eighteen, Andy, that we use on ours? Yeah, and also like, yeah, it's the fifty three owner fifty three thirteen fifty three eighteen. That's more fine wired, and then even the Gami six hundred four is pretty good too. Mm-hmm. So they all have a time and place depending on what client I have in the boat. Well, and especially when you like your smallmouth fishing. I mean, the, the, the ability to be, I don't, I think the heaviest one I've seen on the market is like a quarter ounce where like there's days where a quarter ounce won't even touch the bottom when the wind's kicking up on the great lakes nope. or even a finger lake or some of the inland lakes, especially if you're, I mean, it's fall time, you're fishing in the wind. I mean, you need something that's at least three eighths to get yep. down there, but exactly. Yeah. But I mean, let's, let's kind of dive into, I mean, from a, a tournament standpoint, not just tournament standpoint, but like just bass fishing in general, you launch the boat. Like what's your first rod you're picking up? What's your first move? Like, you know, you had the choice of chasing brown fish or green fish and catching them in a certain way. What is your first go-to? Yeah. I mean, around here, my, my first choice has definitely got to be green fish. Um, we've got plenty of smallmouth to go around around here. They're not, you don't find them in a lot of our lakes. Um, you know, like Okaboji, for example, is an outlier. They, they've got green and brown ones up there, but a lot of the lakes around me are are all largemouth. And if they do have smallmouth, it's it's because a river flooded into it for a week and, you know, a couple smallies got in there. I'm, I'm hoping that they take off and the, and the smallmouth just completely dominate the lake, but uh, <laughs> fingers crossed on that. But Sounds um, like you need some gobies. Yeah, maybe some gobies will show up on there. Uh, maybe somebody will dump them in there. We'll, we'll see. We'll bring you um, some. Yeah. Eventually, gobies will be in every watershed because of geese and ducks. That's fine with me, so, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Backtrack. What? Oh, yeah. Because of you don't, geese? Yeah, you don't know how that works. No. Fish they eggs, they, they eat eggs and, and poop them out in the lakes, right? Yeah, that's one of them. And then, too, like when they land in lakes, sometimes they'll get like vegetation on their feet and there'll be fish eggs stuck to that vegetation. It stays damp and they fly to the next place. Then it gets in there. That's how pike get in like all these farmers' ponds, like just randomly. It's from fish eggs coming from geese and other things flying them in. That blows my mind. Yeah. So eventually. Invasive species will make it to every watershed because of natural, whatever, natural situations of geese traversing the United States. North. The, the fact that they can live through that process is just kind of wild to me. Like, Well, I mean, it's not far, right? Like, they hop from a pond to a pond. Like, all of a sudden it's there. Like, from the Erie Canal into a pond. Or a Great Lake into a pond that's 15 feet away. Now they take off and it goes to the next pond and the next pond. It might take a couple thousand years, but it'll eventually get there. I don't have that long to wait. They need to hurry up and get here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Better no, than Asian carp. 
No, those things, those things can stay the hell away. But I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll take all the gobies I can get. I'm surprised those are still a problem with the uh, the redneck ingenuity that they have in Kentucky. I'm, I'm surprised you know, somebody hasn't figured it out. I did see a couple of press releases a while ago that was like the they were trying to do something. You could see they were trying to like to be strategic with it. And they're like, uh, they're like Asian carp uh, recipes, like trying to show people how to cook them correctly to give people like the knowledge that you can actually keep well, them. But that's I was the like, craziest ah. part. They're like a delicacy in like Asia, like Japan and stuff. Like they eat those things. You can find them in markets and stuff. They actually, I guess, taste pretty decent, which is wild because they're plankton eaters. They just suck all the nutrients out of the water. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Unreal. All right. So rabbit holes. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go again. What'd you guys talk about on your do it mold show? We talked about goby eggs coming out of goose's butts. (laughs) (laughs) And Asian carp and how to eat them. Perfect. All right. So, so you launched the boat, you're going after some green heads. What's the first rod you're picking up? Um, If I'm, if I'm searching for them, let's say I don't know where they're at yet. Um, I'm new to this place or, uh, it's been a while since I've been on the lake, whatever. Um, I'm probably gonna, probably gonna swim jig around until something slows me down. Um, or, or I'll flip a jig or a a Texas rig as, as fast. I mean, put the trolling motor on six, seven and flip as fast as I can until something slows me down. But, um, a lot of times that's going to be a swim jig for me. And then I'm a, I'm a jig guy at heart. If they're, if they're feeding down or if they're on bottom, I, I want a jig in my hands um, at, at all times. It's something that we've usually got three different jig rods on the deck of the boats at all times. And um, I'm, I'm a jig fanatic. So if I can catch them anyway, I want to, it's going to be a jig. So you're a swim jig over like a chatterbait or spinnerbait guy, yeah? Yeah, depending on water clarity and conditions, you know, if you get some wind, if it's fairly calm, right, um, and and you got the water clarity to support it, even even if it is sort of dirty, uh, pick up a black or black and blue swim jig, and and you know, you'll catch a lot of those same fish that would have eaten that chatterbait and spinnerbait. I believe in most cases, but wind picks up, uh, you get some more chalky water. Yeah, I'll take a spinnerbait and. I, I guess I'm still a little bit more old school. Um, I will, in most cases, take a spinnerbait over a chatterbait. Uh, I know that's not, you know, maybe the, the popular opinion these days because chatterbaits are more new and sexy, but I, I still like my spinnerbait for sure. Yeah, I, I love hearing that because I've been trying to put the... Sorry, we got some surprise gifts over here. <laughs> um I love picking up the spinnerbait. I, 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 to be honest, I think it's way more fun of a bite because I think they eat it way harder than they do a chatterbait in most cases. And it's so visual too, most yeah. of the time. Yeah, that is also the fun part about it is because you could just like see it shining in the water and then it's just gone. <laughs> like it's, um, but so I'm gonna ask this then: swim jigging, like what uh, what mold are you picking up? For um, in most, ca- I would say a year ago it would have been the weedless casting jig. Okay. Um, and I still love that because it does have a quarter ounce cavity in it. And, uh, you know, depending on depth of like, let's say I'm fishing grass, depending on the depth of that, you know, emerged grass bed or whatever, the you know, little grass bed under the water, um, I might want to go heavier. 
you know, some days too, they want it, they want it retrieved faster. They don't want, you can't give them as good of a look at it, but um, I like that weedless casting jig. And then the newest one that we've come out with is the hybrid grass jig, which um, has replaced that weedless casting jig for me in a lot of cases, because that's a jig that you can burn it over that grass bed, but as soon as you want to stop it, kill it, and then drag it back to the boat, um, it's going to stand up like a, like an Arky or, you know, any other bottom contact jig hmm. that's going to allow you to, to fish it back to the boat on bottom, as opposed to just a steady retrieve off the bottom. So, um, that's a really versatile tool that, that I've been using a lot and, uh, being a, a jig guy at heart that, uh, that was a must have for me. And, and one that was important for, for us to add for, for selfish reasons for me. Um, was being able to use a jig, you know, in three, four different ways, as opposed to having a swim jig rod, a bottom contact jig rod, whatever, just one do all jig. Kind of makes the process a little bit easier. Yeah. Just an ultimate utility jig, really. Now like what, that. what, uh, what hook are you putting in that? Um, in that one, I'm, I'm running a, a victory one Oh eight, eight, six, um, for you must add guys, that would be a must add. Uh, three, two, eight, eight, six. Um, it's a 30 degree line tie two X bass hook with a, with a pretty good gap in it. And, uh, that same hook will fit in that weedless casting jig as well. So it's a, it's a popular hook that a lot of swim jig, uh, you know, commercial manufacturers are using as that 30 degree two X hook with a, with a pretty good gap in it. Um, same style hook. Hmm. Now I know you talked about offline that you're a menace like a rage menace fan but is that your kind of your go-to trailer or do you kind of have like a different trailer for different scenario type of deal yeah i mean i i pour some of my own trailers for sure um with our products um if i'm using a you know a, a store-bought um you know a retail trailer let's call it um rage menace a rage craw um, if I want a shad or minnow imitating, you know, just a bait fish, not a craw, um, which in a lot of cases, if I'm going with that craw, it's because I want to keep that bait hovering over top. Um, if I'm fishing deeper, a lot of times I want that, I want that shad or minnow imitating profile. That's going to run, you know, it's going to track straight and not want to come up as quickly. And in those cases, I, I'm probably going to fish uh, Reaction Innovations Little Dipper hmm. or uh, a Skinny Dipper. Okay. Yep. I dig that. Great so, choices. Yeah. I um, I'm not the biggest swim jig fan, but when I or biggest swim jig user, but when I have caught them on it with on lakes with big bait fish present present, I would use a Skinny Dipper on an all white one or a white chartreuse. Sure. Sometimes trim down the head, but you just, you didn't get a lot of bites, but you would get big ones. So I like that choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, once you lock a jig in your hand too, you really start to realize like there's certainly days where, you know, you, you might be fishing a jig on bottom and then you go to reel it up, right. To make your next cast and you get a bite. Or one yep. follows it to the boat and boils yep. on it. Yep. And then you pick up a swim jig and you catch a fish on your next five casts. You know, like I, I feel like there's always a jig bite to be had or almost always a jig bite to be had. And it's just how committed are you to the jig, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I feel like a lot of techniques are the same way where if you're 
if you're that honed in or you're that dedicated to that that bite, you can you can dial in all those cadences and caveats and uh, continue to get bites on that same technique. I feel like that uh, that bushy beetle will make a pretty good swim jig trailer too. Because if you like the menace, it's got like a similar tail. Yeah. With that body being that flat, I feel like you could skip that sucker like a son of a gun. Yeah. No, it's it skips great. And then uh, that's more of like that that you know scenario where you'd want it to you know plane out and then come up right because it's got that wide Gosh. sort of flattened body. It's pretty narrow but it's wide. So not a lot of depth there, but it's wide and that'll, you know, encourage it to come up faster. Um, it's a great trailer for sure. I use it, you know, predominantly as like a standalone flipping bait, but, um, it definitely has its place as a trailer. I will tell you that there are going to be multiple days coming up within the next month or two where Andy and I are going to crush some beers and pour those bushy beetles. Cause I go. plan to punch the hell out of that. In Louisiana coming up in two months. Sweet, yeah. That no, lets me. Cool that's such a thin body too. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's what we wanted was a streamlined profile. So if a guy wanted to punch it, it it you know checks every box in that department. But then we we kept in mind that you know that this also needs to serve function as a trailer too. So mm-hmm. uh, kept it kept it pretty balanced in that regard. But it's a it's a fantastic standalone bait for flipping. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I think a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot, but I think some folks, especially like your dock guys or your, your shallow, you know, guys that are fishing timber or brush, they don't take into account too much is trailer, not in terms of legs, because like, I think everyone and their, you know, every company's got a trail, like a quote unquote trailer that's got kicking legs that will do the trick, but they don't take into effect the body of that bait and what that does, especially if you're trying to skip it and get into a places that not everyone else is getting to that profile is so key. And that thing being as wide as it is, especially being as wide as it is towards the tail, whereas it's skinny up by the head where it's Mm -hmm. less for that fish to get in their mouth. I think that's pretty dang smart because that's going to skip so well. It does. It's, it's great for skipping. Yeah. And, uh, Another thing too is, you know, companies like try to really dress up the the body portion of that bait and they mm-hmm. add texture. And uh, while texture looks great to us, um, I don't know that the fish really care at all. And a lot of times what that texture does is just slow the bait down on the yeah. skip. It loses momentum so much faster. Um, I think what we did with this one is we made it look pretty cool, but at the same time, it, it's got a ton of functionality. Um, because it doesn't have a ton of texture on that body section, it does skip like a dream. So heck yeah. I'm excited for that. I'm pumped. I like baits that look cool, but I like baits that catch fish more than the baits. Yeah. 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 Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I mean, like talking about the new stuff, like that katana craw is gonna be pretty dang pretty dang sick on like a finesse flipping jig. I'm more a proponent of I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of, of picking up a big jig. Like I have more confidence in picking up a small yeah. tungsten finesse jig, something like that. Like those smaller profiles. I'll change your mind. Just come out here. I'll change your mind. Give me one day. <laughs> I mean, I know it works because Andy will do it. But like when Andy's flipping that, like I'm flipping like a tiny, tiny tungsten little jig. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, to, to be honest, I mean, once say it away from you, like the fighter, that's like kind of his, his movement is that small little profile, Yo. which – 
I, I don't know. I feel like that Katana Crawl is going to be perfect for that. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was originally, you know, the idea was that it's going to be a, a, a Ned trailer predominantly. I don't want to give up, you know, too much, but let's just say there's probably a bigger one of these coming. Like, let's just say there's probably a bigger one in the works, like in that book. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a phenomenal little bait. And I got buddies that, uh, that, that punch these, they'll put like a two watt EWG and a half ounce tungsten on the front of it and they punch them and they've caught a lot of fish doing it. Um, I've never done it. I'll be honest that I've never tried to, to flip one or punch one. Um, it's always been a Ned bait for me, but it sounds like it's something I need to, I need to try. Yeah. But no, it's a sweet little bait for sure. It's, it's full of action. Um, there wasn't anything honest to God, there wasn't anything on this bait that, um, we, we put there without purpose, right? Like everything serves a purpose on that bait. So yeah, it's one sweet. that we're really proud of. We work really hard on it and, uh, it's a cool bait. I think it's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, so here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Are you a believer of sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Has anyone? Okay. This would be a two-parter. What is your opinion on bait fuel? Um, I'll be hundred percent honest with you. This one's easy for me to answer because I've never used it. So I, I know I just answered that. Like I'm a huge believer in, in sense and that I've yet to try bait <laughs> fuel, but just being hundred percent honest, I've never yeah. tried it. Um, my, my philosophy with scent is that it will never hurt you. It can only help you. Why not add it? Um, I'm a big believer in max scent. I'm a believer in, in gulp alive and power bait and, uh, everything they've got going on with pro gear and, and, uh, you know, smelly jelly use the hell out of all of that stuff. Never tried bait fuel. So I, I can't answer that question. Okay. Here's my second part to that question. Has anyone tried putting bait fuel while in while they're pouring the plastics? Have you heard of it? I don't know, man. I, I, I don't, I've never heard. Um, maybe there's some guy out there that's doing it. That's just whacking on them and, and we're missing out, but I don't Andy, know. It's time to film, buddy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'm just curious how like the chemical reaction process would take place inside the little Pyrex bowl that we're microwaving <laughs> to, you know, well, the here's the out. thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> Brennan, either you're going to get a call that you need to tell your folks to do this, or you're going to get a call of like, do not do this. Right, right. Here's my plan, right? Don't do this. I'm going to be the lead guy, and Bailey's going to do the soft plastics because I'm terrified of burning myself. So Bailey's going to do the plastics, and I'm going to sit back with a beer and watch and hope he doesn't burn (laughs) his hands off. Bad news for you, lead lead melts at a higher temperature than plastisol, so you're really at more risk than him, but... But I, you I can't gotta spread out the risk. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, I can't scenario. be 100% risk here as right. Bailey's sitting filming. You, know? right. you, you have a kid, right? Bailey yeah. doesn't. So yeah, Bailey gets to all of this. <laughs> I guess I'm just the, the guinea pig. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, worst case scenario, did you guys see the thing with the, the power bait noodling glove? For like yeah. Oh, that was awesome. Thing. Yeah. I guess worst case scenario, if I get some on, I got my own little power bait noodling glove, but it's bait fuel. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, that's good. I mean, hey, it's worth a shot. I mean, I'm curious to see if anyone's done it. I mean, there's some dang really, like really, really good guys that are pretty dang creative on the Do It Molds team. And I kind of want to ping and, and pick their brain to see if they've tried it yet. But if it works, I mean, dude, 
especially if bait fuel works. I don't have enough time with it yet to, to know. I've, I've used it and it's worked for big fish for me. But then again, I've gone next cast on the next set and it hasn't been indifferent. So I've seen results. Every result I've had is either it's adequate or max scent is better. Yeah, I just I just feel like with any scent, it's only offering a, an advantage to you. It's it's never going to hurt you. At, at least that's what I feel. Maybe the scientists at Berkeley feel different. You know, you put a different scent in front of a fish and it uh, it swims away. But in my experience, it it can only help you. So I'm a I'm a big I, big believer in scent. Yeah, I mean. I'll be honest, dude. Max scent is I'm there's baits where I'm like super confident and that they're going to catch me fish. And then there's max scent for me. I don't know what it is. I, it's yeah. I think what it was is when you really see the scent dispersion, kind of how, how they show that and how like, especially some of the lakes that we fish, like great lakes that have a, just a, that have obviously an underwater current, especially when we're talking small mouth that are way moving around way more typically than large mouth do. It's way easier to pick up on scent trails. And I think at least from accent proof in the pudding from like a small mouth herb that it works. I was just going to say, I think, I think the small mouth guys have a, a greater appreciation for, for scent in general, but especially max scent. Yeah. Um, and then in those warmer months when that water, I'm not a scientist, but I believe in those warmer months that that scent trail can flow easier they can track it easier. And I, I think those summer months, especially if, if you're not utilizing scent, you're doing yourself a, you know, a, a disfavor, if that's a word. So use it when you can, in, in my opinion. Well, dude, I mean, Brandon Lester on Pickwick, I mean, not that they were pushing the current much during that event, but obviously it has a natural current to it on that TVA. It's not always, you know, dead still. Uh, and he was throwing uh, the max scent that was the Magnum hit worm because couldn't get bit on a trick worm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great bait too. Yeah, I mean, it's not to get us down this this rabbit hole sense here, but uh, yeah. <laughs> more rabbit holes, right? Very good. <laughs> yeah. So, so to, to cap off that question on terms of like how you like to to fish, um, what's your what's your rod and reel setup for that swim jig? Um, a swim jig. I I'm using a Dobbins for that. I'm, I, I really only use two different brands of rods. I, I use, uh, I, I'm a G Loomis NRX guy when it comes to, you know, a feel bite, a sensitivity bite when it comes to actions, uh, where, where sensitivity is not a big deal, but the action is a big deal. I, I really like the Dobbins XP line for that. Um, I think they do a really great job at, at matching actions where they need it and when they need it. Yeah. Um, I don't know the model number of my swim jig rod. I have two of them and I don't even know the model number, but it's a, it's a heavy action. Probably a seven, three, five. That might be right. Yeah. It's a, it's a seven, three for sure. And it's a, it's a very moderate, you know, parabolic bend. Yeah. Um, Actually it might be a, a heavy, four then it might be okay. a four. It's heavy. So like it's got backbone, but the rod really loads up. Um, so if you're fishing cover and, and you slam a fish and you need to get it out of there in a hurry, which a lot of times with the swim jig, that's the case. Um, at least where I'm putting my swim jigs a lot of times, mm-hmm. um, it'll absolutely do that, but it's parabolic enough that that rod loads up and, and sticks the fish. It's not a, it's not a pool cue, even though it is a, a heavy action rod. So, 
Um, wish I had the model number memorized for you, but I don't. Um, but that, that's my swim jig rod. You got your braid guy or floral? Um, I'm straight floral on my swim jigs. I pay really close attention to the hook um, so that I, I can get those fish in the boat every time um, or, or as much as, you know, they allow me to. But right. um, I know a lot of guys like straight braid on a swim jig. Um, I've done the I've done the straight braid. I've done the braid to leader and I've done fluoro. Um, you know, when that water cleans up, I don't want 30 yards of braid coming by their face before they see my jig. Sort of like the same concept with a with a marabou jig up north, right? And clean water. You don't want tons of braid coming by them and educating them before they see that bait. Yeah. Um, I feel like if you just if you just know what you've got for your rod um, and and you match your line diameter to meet the needs of that hook, you're fine. And your casting distance is just as good with fluoro a lot of times. So I'm, I'm straight fluoro anymore. Now what pound fluoro, like 15, 17, 20? 17. Yep. 17 pound uh, assassin. I think I use a lot of times. So it's really like 15, everything else. It's pretty yeah. thin. Line. That's good line though. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. I'll go up to like 18 or 20 too, but um, 17 most of the time is just my standby. Heck yeah. Good good choice. Yes, sir. That's one I haven't really like. I've thrown swim jigs now and then. I just don't – I haven't really dove down that rabbit hole of, of swim jigs where I always have them. I have a crap ton of them, but I like – I don't know. I haven't really found a situation where – no, actually, I take that back. I caught some good ones in practice on it. You fall earlier this year, but like, it's it's really got to be if they want something really moving, that's like in the crap, like especially if I'm like in some heavier grass, you could really float it at the surface. But I mean, man, it's it's like it's almost kind of in between. Like I've been trying to experiment with new stuff, and that's on the docket. But I've been like trying swimming worms, been trying swim jigs, like. It's it's either a spinner bait or a chatter bait. Like if I'm up shallow and moving until I figure out if they want it moving yeah. or if they want it flipped. And usually I hope they want it flipped. I, I'm in the same boat, man. I mean, I, I really do in most cases hope that they either want it drug on the bottom or they want it flipped in their face. Um, but if I'm searching for them, I, I feel like that's my tool. Yeah, I feel like swim jigs too. It's one of those things where it's really easy to get discouraged and set down really quickly for a lot of people because mm-hmm. um, you're just throwing it out there and winding it in. And, you know, you do that for a little while without a bite. It's like, all right, screw this, you know, and, and yeah. you set it down. It's really easy to do that, but um, man, it, it can catch them left and right. And it, it catches big ones too, a lot of times. So it's, it's, it's worth pursuing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, it's, it's definitely one I want to dive down. I'd say I love the versatility of a swim jig as well because of that mm-hmm. 60 degree eye tie, right? You can, well, 30, it's 30 degrees. Sorry. I'm in, in some cases, but there's yeah. 60s out there. Yeah. So, but the versatility of the right hook and the right swim jig with the right head, you could crawl it underneath the dock. You could swim it underneath the dock. You can turn around and flip a clump of milfoil if you want, and then burn it over some lily pads and through some lily pads. It's, it's literally, it might be one of the most do everything baits there is. You can cast it out and drag it if it's the right, 
swim exactly. out on it. Yeah. 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 I mean, dude, I, I burn them all the time. Over If I'm fishing a quarter ounce or even an eighth ounce swim jig, I'll burn it over top of lily pads or, or, you know, chop up some duckweed with it. Yeah. And, uh, and it's almost like a buzz bait too. Right. So, mm, um, yeah. you're absolutely right. You can, you can do so many things with it. And like where I'm from, where I fish a lot on the Mississippi river, it's just, it's, it's my swim bait. It's my jig. It's my flipping bait. It can be my, you know, sort of subsurface top water. I mean, you can do everything with it, which is why out here it's so popular. And then you can almost, yeah, like the buzz bait pack for the two like if you got the right trailer and the white right weight and the right rod and the right line you could literally make that thing wake like a wake bait as it comes through and it'll get that yep. shimmy and oh i've seen people on watching some like videos and stuff where there's like that inside grass line but it's matted but they're casting it to the bank swimming it and then they'll hop it up on top of the mat and kind of almost like retrieve it like a frog and they'll come up and eat it through the mat on a swim yeah. and i'm like that is insane yeah so no, it's it's a powerful bait i mean it's it's not swim jig is one name but it's it's definitely not just one meaning for sure it's a jig it's, it's a jig a that's right <laughs> yeah that that hybrid grass jig sounds fun as heck yeah yeah and you know going back to just being a jig fisherman and, and fishing the mississippi river that that concept was it was a must-have just being able to have a swim jig that you know, let's say you're flipping a grass line and you know that there's a brush pile 10 feet out um, rather than burning that swim jig back in and, you know, grabbing another rod to flip the brush pile, just to be able to slow it down, let it hit bottom and, and jig back to the boat um, and get bites that way too. Um, that was important for, for me, like I said, selfishly for me, but yeah. how uh, many times when you killed it on that brush pile, have you gotten just destroyed? Like you're, you're burning it and all of a sudden you're like brush pile and you just drop the rod tip and all of a sudden your line's going left. You're like, Oh, that was easy. It, yeah, dude. It, it definitely happens. It definitely happens. Yeah. It's awesome. That is, yeah. That is fun. It, it's something we're going to divulge in. I mean, especially on the channel, we're going to, we have some more do it molds kind of like the, uh, the pouring, because we I like to educate on that. And there we have a bunch of stuff we want to pour, obviously, for the fall time. Uh, but that's one I think we need to do, uh, start installing some clips, especially, like, that swim jig stuff. Dude, those bites are, like, mean. Whenever, I mean, I, I can't speak on many of them, but I mean, obviously, you being a swim jig fisherman, Brennan, that, that is something that you know. So there could be some cool action shots. But um, we got, obviously, a lot in the hopper here. But I think if people haven't understood the point yet, is that uh, you can do a lot of things, especially if you're creating it yourself. Uh, let's do a shameless plug here. You can do it all. Wow, Good. that's funny. Good. That's never been said before. I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And with that, we're going to say goodbye to Brennan today. I'm out. That's enough for me. Hey, you know, I just had to say it. So no, He's like these funny. guys. He's like these jabronis on here. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, we, we are actually going to wrap it up here in a second. But uh, being it's your first time on the show, Brendan, and definitely not the last, um, we have a question for you. And that's we always kind of just spur the moment. But if you listened, you listened to our show. So you've obviously, I think, know what's coming. But uh, if you could sit down and have dinner with three different individuals, you know, have a nice steak, have a beer, uh, maybe 10 beers, whichever you'd like, uh, but three different individuals. 
they don't have to be the fishing industry. They could be alive thousand years ago or currently. It doesn't matter. Three, any three individuals pick their brain over a steak and beer. Who are you going to invite? Oh, man. Okay. Um, I think one of them has to be one of them has to be in fishing, you know, naturally. Um, I'm going to say I've had the pleasure of meeting him and talking with him a bit uh, just to keep the party alive because we're, we're going the, the, the 10 beer out in my camp, <laughs> not just one. This is uh, why we get along folks. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so that said, I, you got to have Matt Robertson along um, just to keep that party alive. Pants uh, or pants on? Whatever he prefers. I feel like Matt Robertson prefers to be pantless, like just in his undies, because you see all these videos of him fishing, and they'll be jumping in the water in his underwear. So yeah. I think he's just perfectly comfortable being there. Yeah, the only Thanks. ask I think I would have in that scenario is that we get him uh, maybe – some like black or gray whitey tidies, not the white whitey tidies. <laughs> <laughs> but if he wants the whitey tidies and that's what he's comfortable with, I'm not going to, you know, step on his toes, but I'll take <laughs> Matt Robertson in my camp. Um, I'm going to say Joe Rogan for sure. Yes. We'll take, we'll take Joe and then uh, take Johnny Cash. We'll bring Johnny back. And, and we'll take Johnny Cash, and we're going to have a good time. I like that. Is that good with you guys? Good trio. Oh, That's a All great right. trio. Cool. Good. I can't do anything on these shows without my cat getting interested and coming in and just, like, making a mess. Like, I don't think it likes that I am on these shows because it really just trashed my corner of stuff. But yeah. back to your point, I, I love that three because you got the entertainment, you got a guy that could sing, and Johnny Cash – you got Joe Rogan, who's going to throw some wild topics to discuss. Yep. And you have Matt Robertson, who will probably contribute very well to that discussion because he's pretty sure. intelligent and just because he's wild. And you yeah. get to just drink the beer and enjoy the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll sit in the corner and drink my beer and shut up and just watch. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, fair enough. Well, dude, well, dude what uh, what is coming up for you? Any any big tournaments or anything like that? Anything up? Uh, yeah, I've got I've got kind of the last hoorah. Um, we had a hundred boat series on on Pool Ten of the Upper Mississippi. Um, top twenty at the end of the year go to the Classic. It's a two day tournament on Pool Nine and Ten, and um, I, I qualified, so we're fishing that. It's a two day tournament on two different pools, so that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, you got to decide, do you want to, you want to spread out your practice between the two pools or go all in on one and, and wing it on the other. So I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do for that yet, but all I know is I'm fishing. Um, got a couple other, you know, kind of, kind of mid range tournaments coming up. And then uh, that's about it. After that, it's, it's all fun fishing. So it's kind of a bittersweet deal every year, this time of year, because yeah. The tournaments are done, but then it's it's all you know fun fishing from there. So haven't decided where I'm going yet exactly, but um, I've got one big trip planned to Texas in November to try to go catch a giant largemouth. I have no idea what to expect, but I'm in great hands with Ben Milliken, so I'd say um, you're awesome. He'll, yeah. he'll put me on something. I'm I'm confident in that. So we'll see what happens. I'd say you'll be around him, bud. 
I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying not to screw it up. That's what I've been telling myself. Just don't screw this up. So, it's just fishing, man. It's all of yeah. it. You know. Right. Right. So hopefully we get to do some cool stuff with live scope. I got a feeling we will. And um, I'm a forward facing sonar guy myself, but uh, I got a lot to learn and, and that's a great guy to learn from. So that's, for sure. that's, that's really what it's about is just go to try to pick up the crumbs that he's willing to share. Um, I've spent quite a few days in his boat learning, but, uh, can never have enough. So we're going to go do that again. Yeah. I'd say he's a guy that's not afraid to, uh, to spread the knowledge. That's for sure. Yeah. Which, uh, next Tuesday we have Mr. Milken actually coming on Tuesday okay. live. He's coming on to, uh, he's been on the show a few times. We're going to break down some summertime, uh, into that fall transition with big swim baits. So we're going to kind of do that. And, wow. and forward facing sonar is going to be kind of a, a, a sub, you know, aspect to that conversation. No way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All so that's right. going to be well, a fun show. I'll jump in the comments and, and harass you guys then. Perfect. Well, maybe we can just bring you on as a surprise guest, being that I don't think Ben will have a chance to listen to this one yet because he's in North Carolina at the moment. Oh, that'd be epic. Yeah. And you can, a surprise guest, and then you can grill him of like, are we going to catch a giant? Right, right. And I'll put him on blast if we don't. That's and right. the good news is I'll, I'm always right here. I never leave. So I'll just be waiting. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will you buy, awesome. will you pay for my plane ride home if I don't catch a ten pounder? Yeah, I'll put him on the spot, dude. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. Well, dude, it. uh, it's been awesome getting you on the show tonight. It's definitely not going to be the last time you're on this show. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think we'll have many rabbit holes that we like your perspective on here in the future. So yeah, hope hope you're ready, and I hope that uh, you're ready to get on some more shows because. You know, we obviously want to get you back because doing mold stuff. I mean, we're going to have a lot of questions. The people are going to have a lot of questions. And obviously with new stuff coming, uh, we obviously want the people to know about that. So for sure. Dude, yeah. Appreciate thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I, anytime I'm, I'm here. So like I said, I, I never leave this exact spot. So I'm anytime. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks yep. for time. Appreciate it, Brennan. One. We'll talk to you. Dude, we have, it, it's, it's, Sick because like when you get so involved in fishing, I feel like many, I shouldn't say, I, I, I will say many, I'd say the majority of entry level anglers aren't in custom tackle. I agree. And so, they should be. They should. But like, here's the thing. So like you get into fishing and you're buying stuff, you're ordering off Omnia, stuff like that. And it's this whole new world and you're exploring it. And it was so cool. I think about this, especially because like, you know, Working with Duet Moles has been sick and for, for the multiple reasons. Well, two, they're a badass group of dudes. I mean, Brennan's a 10-beer kind of guy. That's our kind of guy. And also the fact that it's opening a whole new world for us again. Like, yeah. it's something that we can it, – it opens and it reignites that exploration stage where it's like – I mean, we've we've been pouring a bunch of jig heads. Keeps you, it fresh. That, that's what I'm saying. But, two, it's going to be pretty sweet to explore. I mean, like we were just talking about earlier, potentially pouring bait fuel – while we're pouring plastics. Yeah. Who, to Brennan's, I think if someone knew that someone was doing about doing it and was saying that they were doing it, Brennan's the guy to know to hear about that. So like, that's going to be something that's kind of interesting. I mean, I'm curious if someone's going to beat us to the punch now that we said it. We should get some uh, smelly jelly bass feast and cook it in your garage and see how it turns out. 
Well, being the fact that I don't have <laughs> ventilation in my garage is probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, and your entire apartment complex will probably smell for three weeks once it gets to like 350 degrees or whatever it has to be at to melt. We, we, so <laughs> for folks listening that, that don't know or haven't seen some of the stuff we posted on Doom, we have a video on that Serious Angler channel. Um, uh, if you go back a little bit on the, on the videos, we have one out. Um, we originally – so – the kind of the do it molds uh station for us the hq is in andy's garage but originally it was going to be in my garage at my apartment which we were actually like low-key excited about in the point that like there's people driving by all the time and we're like dude how funny it would be because we're filming we're pouring heads or pouring plastics and we get like a cop's pull up thinking we're pouring meth <laughs> like, like it's true <laughs> I mean, a true yeah. youtube like cops called cops called pouring do it molds cops called but i don't have any ventilation so safety safety protocol or or electrical outlets or electrical outlets <laughs> which is kind of a big deal when you need the or the deal. lead pot so yeah in my garage we go that's right so there is a lot more do it molds content coming, uh, not just on socials, but on YouTube as well. Uh, some different things coming up. And also it's going to make a big appearance coming up on our personal YouTube channels as well as uh, Andy and I get deeper into that kind of content. Uh, so tune Sorry. into that. No, you're good. But uh, again, big thanks to Brennan for joining us. He's going to be a constant on this show moving forward uh, as we, you know, we're working with do it molds and they're, like we said, amazing group of people. So if you guys want to get anything for yourself, you want to get some starter kits, such, such like that, go down in the show notes and every show and I'll get you a link directly. I'll take you right to do it molds. But uh, Andy, you got anything for the folks to know? Any dates coming up that they can come up and catch some big old Lake Erie smallmouth? Uh, next week, I have Thursday, Friday open. And then the entire following week is basically open. And then I only have like two or three days the last two weeks of september that are open and then october i have the canadian tire open and i'm booked the three the monday what am i booked i think i'm booked that saturday sunday monday tuesday wednesday leading up to the event practice thursday friday tournament sunday saturday i have guy trips sunday monday tuesday so it's gonna be a couple busy weeks gotta gotta pay for this boat so i need some guide trips (laughs) so well if you guys want to get on some big old smallmouth because as the weeks go on here it's only going to get better and better and if the weather cooperates you will have the time of your life so uh either reach out over email uh but the best way to get in touch with andy is follow him on social media and then i'll get you directly in touch with him and he can set it up But uh, folks, without further ado, we'll see you guys on Tuesday Night Live from Mr. Ben Milliken. We'll see y'all then. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, 
This show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanga fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.